0: God's grace and his mercy and his peace are all yours without limit. Through our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for his people is our second lesson for today from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Just a couple of of verses. Look at verse 6 again. It says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. And this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. This is the word of the Lord. Dear loved ones, have you ever been asked the question, how can a good God send anyone to hell? I've been asked that a couple times in my capacity as a pastor. I've probably been asked that more just as a a Christian in a room where most of the people are not. But most of the time, when I've heard that question, how can a good God send anyone to hell, it's been in my mind and my heart as a man who does not want to be frightened by God, as a man who does not want there to be any contradiction in the things that I've been taught and yet to be taught that that God sends people to hell and yet God is loving is something that is unsettling in my mind I want to ask which one is really true they can't possibly be at the same time and let's not pretend for a second that the question is out of bounds It's a fair question. It's an important question. And people ask it not just because they're curious, but because they're unsettled about it and need need some peace. How can a good God send anyone to hell? It affects the heart not to know. Let's remember something as we think about it. Our mission in life as Christians is not simply to be saved, nor is it to be saved and to do good. Our mission in life is to speak clearly about our God. Here is what the Bible says. It says, you are God's special possessions that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. As Christians, we are called upon to speak clearly. In a way that's called evangelically. That is to praise God with what we say, to tell people how wonderful our God is, not just to simply say, well the Bible says it and that settles it, or, or to say, well let's just agree to disagree. No, in the answers we give to life's important questions, we want to tell people how good God is, how wonderful He is, As we give those answers. And these verses before us do more, I find, than just about any other words in the Bible at helping us answer that question, how can a good God send anyone to hell? And the answer is all tied up in this one word. Sometimes it's translated just, sometimes it's translated right or fair, but most often it's translated righteous. Listen to these words. It says, This is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which, you are all, for which you are suffering, since it is righteous for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. That word righteous, when it talks about God, talks about God always doing what's right, whether we like it or not. What would you think for example, of a fireman. He's out on a walk in town with his wife and he sees coming up on their route that he, there's some smoke going up to the sky in a place where there's usually not smoke coming from. And, and they walk over closer and sur- sure enough, there's fire coming out of the, the top window of this house. And he stands there and, and looks at that and says, oh, that's too bad. And then the fire spreads and starts to come out other windows and he stands there and puts his hands behind his back and says, oh, huh, I hope nobody gets hurt. <laughs> what would you think of that fireman? Nice guy? Maybe. But a terrible fireman. In fact, you couldn't even call him a fireman. That, that kind of fireman doesn't exist. That, the, the fireman that stands and looks isn't a fireman at all. A real fireman will, will run to the scene where there's a fire. He'll, he'll look around for people that need rescuing, and if there's any in there that he sees, he'll jump in after he calls it in and try to get them out before the red trucks arrive. What would you really think of a God who created every moving thing in this world, from the tiniest electron to the biggest cluster of galaxies in the universe? A God who created every animal from the aardvark to the zebra. A God who made every sound from the constant rushing ocean to the sudden boom in a thunderstorm. And created everything to work together perfectly. Created people to love him and love each other perfectly and did nothing about it as it's ruined. It's saying, oh, that's too bad. Not a very good God. A nice God, maybe. But that kind of God does not exist. God is righteous. Every day, people all over the world, people in this church, people sitting in your seat, the one you're in now, give in to greed and selfishness. Even though God created you to love him and love each other. Every day, brutal people, Get away with things against those who are innocent and weak that we don't even want to speak of. Every day, self-righteous people stick up their noses as people who have just little differences from them. And God is supposed to just sit by and simply say, well, with his hands behind his back, I hope no one gets hurt. That's too bad. Not a righteous God. God is not very righteous if he sees suffering and does nothing about it. And we may not understand his timing, especially when when we are the ones who suffer and people get away with it. We want God to condemn them and punish them right now. And we don't understand his timing, why he says he needs to wait. But eventually we will understand. When our understanding of our righteous God is not clouded over by sin we will not only understand but we will be at peace with a righteous God with his timing and even with the existence of hell Now, just in case we're not clear this is what God says hell is at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven when he arrives with his powerful angels he will take vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus he will pay, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence. And as you drive down Highway 89 or 60 or really any of the country roads out here, you'll see something kind of sad every once in a while. You'll see a, a barn. And that barn's roof is, is curved in, and there'll be even a giant hole in the top of the roof. You see crumbling foundations. Almost no color to the walls. The barn has just been abandoned. It's not that the owners did something active to wreck that barn. It's not like they went up on the, uh, on the roof and cut a big hole in it and started slamming on it till it fell in or they went inside and started spraying it with a hose until there was enough water to make mildew and mold or started hitting the foundations with a sledgehammer or something like that. It's not that they did something to that barn. It's just that they stopped doing something. They stopped their care for it. They stopped maintaining it. So it goes with the soul in hell. Every single person in this world, believer or not, is under the care of God. We receive food from his hand and his creation. We receive care and love and the blessings that, that, that God puts, puts people into our lives, Christian or not. And hell is when God withdraws all of his blessings. And if you don't want to say that that's fair, remember that God puts an inkling about himself in every human heart. He puts this natural sense of what's right and wrong so that we are directed to, to, to think of him, that there is someone who determines what's right and wrong. He lets us see his creation so that we know someone had to start this so that we would look out and seek him. And we don't. After spending a lifetime of of refusing those instincts that there is a God and saying, leave me alone. I don't need you, God. I would rather sin than think about what pleases you. After a lifetime of people saying to him, I'm fine on my own. I can be good to get to heaven. God gives in. And finally, and fully withdraws all of his blessings that he gives to all people, believer and unbeliever alike. That's what hell is. Nothing to stop hunger. No one to relieve loneliness. No cure for pain. No protection from the spiritual forces that are behind all of the evil in this world. No end to death. Hell is not something that God made up for fun. He did not create hell as an outlet for his aggression. Hell is something that we all ask for with our sin. All sin is really telling God, leave me alone. I'd rather do it my way. And he says, I'll leave you to yourself. That's what a righteous God must do. When you look at the horrible things that happen in human history, and when you look at your own history of sin, in spite of a God who cares for you, Doesn't there have to be a hell? If God is righteous, there certainly does. Something else about the only way that Jesus' death makes any sense is if there is a hell. Why go through all of that suffering? Why go through all of that trouble to be born a human baby and and grow up to be a man only to be crucified in your prime? To be hung on the cross, painfully exposed, gasping for breath, and just crying out to God, why have you left me alone? If Jesus' work was just to teach us to be nice people. There are other ways to teach you to be nice. There must have been something more, and there was. All of that suffering was for something. It took someone to take our place in the abandonment of God to keep us out of it. It took someone to go through hell so that God's righteous sense of justice could be satisfied as well as his natural need to love people could be taken care of. As a a teacher of mine, Professor David Kuske, once put it, he said, God's love met his justice at Jesus' cross. So if you ask me, how can a good God send anyone to hell, I will first reply with a question of my own and says, how can a righteous God take anyone to heaven. Ask me that again. Ask me how it's fair that that, that I get to go to heaven and other people don't. And I will tell you, I have no idea. Because I know my sin. Except for the grace of God. When I look at my sin, it makes no sense that God would save me. But then again, God's righteousness is beyond me. Both his justice against sin, but also his love for the sinner it doesn't need to make sense. It just needs to be believed. And that's, what, that's what we have in Jesus. A Savior that we can trust when he says, I have saved you. I love you. You do not need to worry about hell because I have done everything to keep you out of it. You get to join me in heaven. Jesus both balances the scales of justice and loves the sinner. His love and his justice met at the cross, and he wants you to remember that when you are discouraged by the suffering that you endure in this world, people get away with some brutal and horrible things against us, but not forever. Jesus is coming back after all. After all of human history has run its course, after all the souls who are in God's kingdom have repented. After everything and after all that God has planned for this world is through, he is coming back. And this time he's bringing an army of angels. He is raising all the dead, giving our souls and our bodies, bringing them back together. Only this time with a body that you will have for eternity. And then he is taking those who believed in him to eternal glory and saying to those who said leave me alone you're on your own and leaving them to themselves what a glorious day that will be when as the Apostle Paul says when he comes to be glorified in his holy people and marveled among the nations who have believed and this includes you after all after everything after our sin after human history after God has kept his promises to send his son And after you have spent a lifetime making it through this world with its suffering, trusting in Jesus, you will be at home with your righteous God, with our righteous God, and with all his saints in heaven. This is God's word.